0: Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Boston podcast. Kids of all ages, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, all y'all out there. Thanks for being here. My name is Dave. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend or a colleague. We just hit like 60,000 downloads for this podcast. So clearly we're You people um, need to find something better to do with your time. Um, Or you just love us. You just can't help but love us. I have an awesome guest who happens to be an awesome friend. I I can't even think of a better friend, Russ. And I don't mean to make you cry right off the bat or or get all weepy and misty, but it's attorney Russell Schwartz who's in the building, ladies and gentlemen. You have yeah. to you have to talk on a podcast, yeah. Russ. He's, okay, I start talking. He's he's raising his fist in well, glory. I heard,
1: cr- I heard the crowd yell for me, so I, they, know, right. I thought that was for me. You told me that was for me, so I'm right. So excited.
0: Right, and if you know if you live in the Worcester area the Worcester professional community, or maybe just anywhere, you might know Russ. He's a fantastic family law attorney. He has a secret life as a drummer in a rock band. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I do need to tell you about the our sponsor, our proud sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service, usps.com slash careers is where you go to find about careers at the Postal Service. And guess what, kids? They are holding a big hiring event On Thursday, November 21st, 2019, from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. at a location near you. The hiring sessions will be held at Boston GMF 25 Dorchester of North Reading Administration Building, 74 Main Street. Okay, those are two different things. Okay, I got to be clear when I read this stuff. Shrewsbury Plant, 192 Main Street. Most people probably call it hundred what would you say 192 Main Street and finally the fourth Brockton plant 225 Liberty Street and if you want more information again go to USPS.com slash careers US Postal Service deliver for the nation so how are you Russell I'm, my friend
1: I couldn't be better I'm having yeah. a great time being here already so with you. yeah <laughs> um, this is fun already
0: yeah well podcasting is supposed to be fun it's it's telling stories it's conversations you don't need to be in a rush there's no clock and, um, that's why here at pod617.com, we're very proud of what we do. The podcasts are great by the, by the way, go there. I'm here. You, 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 uh, me into a plug here, but go there if you want your own podcast. But really, um, if you're a fan of podcasts, that's what it's all about. So, um, you know, we can tell stories about some of the, uh, families that Russ has worked with, but, um. You've been doing it for so long. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to to uh, call you, you know, an elder statesman or anything, but you are one of my idols. Let's get that out of the way. You are just do saying
1: you, that to make me feel. Do, good you wear,
0: do you wear that with a badge of honor or with a little bit of shame? Maybe <laughs> Russ, a little of both. Russ was my. So I met Russ in 1981, and Russ, you don't you don't um, pathetically remember everything from back in the day like I do. But Russ was my one of my first camp counselors, and in the one of the first nights in fact i think it was the first night i was there i was awoken to a ruckus a ruckus now i'm not sure you you caused the ruckus but i would say you were in the middle of the ruckus and there was uh, a young man named uh, david potter who was a sort of rapscallion of a kid now we're 12 years old at the time and he is getting harassed, and there's all kinds of noise. And I, I thought I had just wandered into, like, Attica State Prison or something. My friends, my parents are spending a lot of money to send me to summer camp, and there's a riot in, in, in the middle of the night. And now the good news is uh, young David Potter was was very, how, how do we say, understanding, participatory in the what what that would be called hazing, right? The sort of stuff that, that went on.
1: Uh, I don't really remember the particular incident that you're talking about. I know that those days maybe were a little different than they are today, where the counselors, you know, are coming home and after a fun night out and uh, having fun with the kids. But uh, uh, I do remember you, M. Uh, Potter, uh, being uh, one of the stars of our group, and uh, mm-hmm. we've been friends ever since.
0: I know, isn't that cool? I know, so all the way back to nineteen eighty-one. So, you by were the way- smart
1: then. You're pretty smart now. So, I think.
0: I was, was translated. I was smart enough to stay out of that fray that first night so I didn't end up on a wedgie hook because that's what ended up happening. Yeah, Once again, once
1: again I don't remember any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but if so, you say so, Dave. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry counselor. I do not recall. I do not remember right, that. right. Um, I don't remember. So Russ, as I said, family lawyer Schwartz and plant in Worcester, the website, by the way, right off the top Schwartz So that's Schwartz S C H W A R T Z plant is P L A N T E.com. Um, and do you ever get tired of it? It can get, it can get rough and you don't, you, uh, as most family lawyers do, I guess, don't shy away from, um, contentious battles. And so I, does, does that get hard?
1: So, so to answer your first question, you know, does, does it ever, you know, in, in, in my world, there's never a boring day. Yep. You know, we're, we're full of exciting stories and every day brings a new challenge to us. Um, we are, a, our firm is really a litigation firm. So we're dealing with pretty hardcore issues, issues that just aren't easy to resolve, uh, face to face between two parties. And sometimes we, are often finding ourselves in front of a judge, litigating tons of issues, uh, many of which are repetitive, but many of which are just kind of like, you know, novel issues. Um, And we're, uh, you know, so we don't shy away from it. Uh, Not all law firms are litigation firms. Mm -hmm. Uh, We happen to be one of them.
0: Right. So is that a choice a family lawyer makes? In other words, if can a family lawyer say, if you want someone to, to, if you're, if you know you're in for a battle, you want this guy, but if you're just going in and you don't have much money and your soon-to-be ex-spouse is kind of in agreement that let's just get this over with, you want a different guy.
1: Right. I mean, there, there are a lot of ways to get to the end result. Um, you know, We're seeing today that there is, uh, aside from litigation, there's all sorts of other areas uh, and ways, means to resolve cases. And we can even talk about one of the areas at some point that I've recently got involved in, in terms of alternative dispute resolution, which yeah, is, sure. which is uh, becoming more and more popular. Um, the practice of family law is, is very similar to the practice of maybe even heart medicine. When you have uh, two ways to have uh, your heart problem taken care of, you can go to a heart surgeon mm-hmm. who handles the matter one way, or you can go to a, you know like, like a cardiac surgeon, or you can go to a, uh, a cardiologist who uh, performs less invasive techniques both of which are effective just in different ways. They approach it different ways. And in our world, <clears throat> sometimes uh, the less invasive way doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Sitting down and trying to wrap things up face-to-face, two lawyers having maybe different positions, but not able to come to their final answer for their clients. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? There's only one thing they can do. They go in front of a judge. And at that point, it is a matter of letting the judge make the decision either by way of uh, uh, an informal hearing, or sometimes we are forced to go to trials, real trials. Mm-hmm. And that's what we like to do. That's That seems to be our world. That's our niche. That's what we've fallen into over the years. And that's been our reputation, really. How many cases do you think you've tried? Um, I can't tell you how many cases I've tried. I can tell you, recently we had a, a survey done of how many cases that we've handled over my 30-some-odd you know, years of practice. Mm-hmm. And the the number of cases, about 3,000. Mm-hmm. Over those years, wow. Um, that's not just me; it's me and the members of my firm, right. uh, wh- for which I've I've had a, a hand in just about every one of them. Uh, it, we we are seeing today that it is becoming more and more difficult to try cases. Uh, the statistics show that, uh, uh, at least our statistics uh, show that about eighty percent of our cases resolve before trial. Right. But that is still higher than the uh, or a lower percentage than right. than general uh, state so uh I would guess that we i've tried probably i'm gonna guess seven hundred cases over really there. really maybe maybe less, but around there, you know, and that's that could be a one issue trial that could be a uh, uh, uh a hearing that uh, results from an evidentiary hearing in the beginning of the case over a significant issue um but it's it's much less now, I bet you uh in a year I would try less than 10 now.
0: Okay. But you enjoy that. Like the day that I know it's, I know it's like, uh, I've only tried one case in my life. I did win it. Thank you very much. Retired undefeated <laughs> Congratulations. In, yeah, in, in housing court. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> was, small a, claims. Yeah. it was, it was smaller than small claims. It was, <laughs> it was very, very small claims. No. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was harrowing. I remember that. I mean, I was a student attorney at the time, so I did have, uh, real attorney, quote-unquote, next to me, my supervisor. But she didn't say anything the whole trial. She would jab me in the the gut a couple times if I was doing something wrong. But I remember it was like studying for the ultimate final exam right up until that, you know, those, those sleepless days of prep and then you show up in the morning and you try to get all your confidence up. Do you still get that, that sort of feeling when you go into court?
1: Yeah, it's a little different for me now. I mean, I, I get excited about every one of my cases that yep. I go into. I'm still thinking about it. I'm driving into work and thinking about my opening statement or how I'm going to approach an issue. Um, it's still fun for me. I still enjoy being a lawyer. I love being a lawyer. Um, we have the benefit of having a, a, a great team that I can take credit for mm-hmm. uh, in the end that helps us out. But ultimately, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. Uh, we honestly believe, and you've heard it a thousand times, that preparation is the key to success. Mm-hmm. It's not just being a great trial or it's being prepared. And um, m- most of our cases, we find that our success comes from putting the work in well before we even step into the courtroom. All the right. trial preparation and the witness preparation and the, and the document preparation that goes with it is, is the key for us. So it's going to pay off in the end right in, in front of the judge, hopefully. Are there memorable cases off the top of your head you could think of yeah I mean we, you know <laughs> there are a ton of cases that you know there are some there's some happy ones there are some sad ones you know in, in the end we um, the the ones that probably are most memorable memorable to me are and there's only a few of them that really stick up but one is where uh, the folks were in the middle of their case we were litigating the case uh, they they at lunch they look at each other and say you know what we're not ready to get divorced. Really? And uh, oh in the God. middle of the case, they come to the lawyers and say, we're reconciling. Oh, my which, God. Which, which happens. I mean, it rarely happens, but, the, you know, we've seen it. So it's actually a nice way to walk out of court with everybody smiling and, uh, you know, we've done half our job and stopped. And then Although the parties the- have put their, put their lives back together. We've seen it. It's It's rare. Right, but we've seen it. Well, I can see it happening a couple
0: months into the process. But once you get into court, it's been months, right? It's been months of preparing
1: to get and fighting. Wow, that that is somebody should make a movie about that. You know what? I (laughs) we say to our clients all the time uh, when they come in, they first meet with us. If you are ninety nine percent sure you're ready to go through this process, Mm -hmm. you are not ready. Wow, Uh, because you have to be totally committed, and uh, there's always that nagging doubt in people's mind. But once there is an event that causes them to say, okay, I'm all in. I, I need to move on with my life. The majority of the time it happens Now these folks, you know, we're 99% ready and they, for whatever reason said, this just isn't what we both want. And in the end, it's gone too far. We don't want to see our lives end up in a way where we're, you know, pointing our fingers at each other and, and, and daggers and this isn't what we really wanted. And maybe we've made a mistake and, 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 Everybody walked out of that court that day happy. That's incredible. So I suppose there must have been a moment. And by
0: the way, it takes both of them. It's not. I mean, it's not just as if one of them said, "I've made a huge mistake." They both agree. I mean, that boggles my mind. They, they, the the parties don't even typically communicate in the middle of a case, right? That's right. You know,
1: this happened to be a lunch break. Uh, Whatever for whatever reason they found themselves together, they started talking. One thing leads to another. They must have both had it in the back of their mind. Um, You know, it's like lightning. Yeah, you know, and and one talks to the other, and I I never asked h- how it started, but I certainly was there for s- to see how it finished. Yeah, I, and you know, great story. Yeah, rare but
0: yeah. nice. Yeah, well, it's nice to hear that you celebrate that moment because you know there are I have known some family lawyers that um, completely fit the central casting prototype. In other words, they they've got a me- a little bit of a mean streak. Not you, Russ, obviously, um, but. Some people see themselves as such soldiers that I wonder if they would even be happy with themselves like that rather than fight. But I wonder why, not to belabor this, because. Uh, but I wonder why they had such a change of heart. I wonder if it was that it finally felt real when they were sitting there in a formal setting. Do you think that's what it was? I, or, I do. Yeah. I mean,
1: I you know, this process uh, is full of, kind of ups and downs, there's this roller coaster that everybody's on and they're all excited uh, to move on with their lives, to move on with their, the next adventure that they have while they're going to, through the process. But there are times and there are lows where I'm sure these p- folks are saying to themselves, I wonder if the grass really is greener. Yeah. And I wonder if I've made a mistake. And uh, everybody has that moment where mm-hmm. they say to themselves, yeah, I wonder if, if this is a mistake and how do, how do I stop the train? Right and uh, and and most of the time, the, the, they think about it. And they say, "Yeah, this is this is this is not the right decision. I got to continue to move forward." And for whatever reason, uh, both as I said, these, these these folks were just ready to to say, "You know what? This is what I'm thinking, and this is what you're thinking. It obviously is something that we need to uh, address right now." And, right. And, and and I don't know. They never came. The, the client never came back to see me. So I'm hopeful that. They stay they, together. They stay, yeah. together. <laughs> right. they stay together, right? Well, but you're the you're the divorce lawyer, you know, so the, the, presumably, yeah. And you you mentioned you know that the, there are lawyers out there that have this reputation of being aggressive. I would be insincere if I didn't say to you there were times in my practice where you know we we've, we've taken fairly aggressive positions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are a message provider. Uh, we're obviously consultants as well, and we got to tell our clients what we think. But a lot of times, our clients have these. Kind of thoughts and positions that they feel really super strong about, and you know there is the balancing act. Mm-hmm. I'm going to balance being the lawyer and giving clients good legal advice, and then, you know, following their wishes to the extent that it makes you know good financial sense. And sometimes that means being aggressive, and sometimes it means people feeling like they need to kind of step into court and and say what they need to say so that somebody hears it and uh, some sort of cathartic experience for them, where they ultimately get in front of the judge, tell their story, win or lose, they feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times lawyers kind of get bashed for letting that happen. Um, I guess it's a, it's a style and a, and a judgment call. These are moments
0: in people's lives where their lives may be falling apart, where they are at their wits end. Um, I'm a divorce guy. I, I know that it was the right thing to do in my brain, but it was the saddest thing that ever happened to me. Um, and, and as an aside, I'll say you, as a friend, were uh, a rock for me, and you used to call me all the time and make sure I was okay. Which, and I've said this to you uh, while it's, while the microphones were not rolling, <laughs> but you know how much I appreciate it. But but you get people all day who you've just met who are who come into your office and spill their guts. I I, I take it. Um, do do you now? You and you you strike the pose of a, a pretty serious lawyer you look the part russ you, you russ is a very handsome man I'll, we'll have photos of him on, on the podcast and blah, always blah, blah. always very well dressed and when you get that serious look on your face you can be serious but you also got you have to be you put on this like sort of super sympathetic hat when people sit down and you have tissues in your office and all that uh
1: we you know i i am the biggest shareholder of kleenex <laughs> you know I, I have stock in that company it and be, yeah. uh we often are using it i mean it's a hard thing because, uh, I've been around long enough to know that, you know, to some extent, if, if, I can kind of be objective and not get caught up in the emotion and do my job and do it within a range of reason and really try hard, then I'm going to do a good job for my client. And, uh, I, uh, you know, try to, I'm better now than I used to be, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard to be, you know, uh, objective and sympathetic and at the same time. And, um, you know, being a hand holder is part of the job Mm -hmm. and I I work on it every day, but being objective and really saying to my clients, listen, I'm not as much of a hand holder as other lawyers in my office. And that's why we work together. You know, we have lawyers that will sit and, you know, listen and listen and listen and listen. And for me, it's about, you know, getting to the, the heart of it and trying to get them through this and letting them know I'm there to help them and be responsive to them and work hard for them. Uh, and if they need that help, you know, we've often talked to our clients about how important it is to to get involved in counseling, to get involved in, you know, activities, athletics, you know, exercise, all the things that yeah. kind of get them going. And, uh, and, and you know, being, being empathetic and sympathetic is a piece of it. Mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's sometimes less of that than it is knowing what the facts are and knowing what the reality is and saying, this is the truth. This is the way I feel it's going to happen. You know, I'm sorry to say this to you, but this is the way it might work out. And- so the,
0: yeah, the, this is the what the question I was going to ask. Do you have to turn people around sometimes? Is, and it, is that difficult? In other words, if in their head, they are certain that they are right. They have been screwed over some, a lot of times infidelity is involved in this and they may think because their spouse has cheated on them, that they are entitled to the world. You must have to talk them down and say, hmm.
1: Our world is so different today than it was years ago. And and all of that stuff, the infidelity, the extramarital relationships, Mm -hmm. in in many, many, many ways, uh, although it's going to impact our clients because it's an emotional thing. They felt hurt. They they feel cheated. Uh, It carries very little weight today Mm -hmm. in our society. It carries very little weight in the probate court. We uh, we'll tell our clients often that unless it this extramarital relationship is is costing them money, right. the judges don't really pay much attention to it, and that's a hard thing to say to people who have just either found out or witnessed or discovered that their spouse is carrying on a an extramarital relationship. So, yeah, the, this this bad news, you know, is hard for people to understand. Yep. Um. I I often will say to a client, you know, and uh, I give them my advice. I'll tell them once. I'll tell them twice. Uh, I'll send them a letter saying this just isn't, you know, I don't think I can deliver. And sometimes I'll say to my clients, I I think you should get a second opinion because I don't think that I can deliver on your expectations. Right. And I'd rather say that to them up front than have them be horribly disappointed and get this legal bill, you know, as a result of us pursuing an avenue that's, you know, after my first and second and third letters, just not going to not going to prevail
0: the law firm that i hired sent me a and i've told you this but uh a multi-page letter explaining all the rights i was giving up in agreeing and mine we didn't go to court it was a uncontested divorce but i was trying to keep the peace and so i i'm not a saint or anything but it just happened i was giving up a lot that i was entitled to this law firm went to such pains and it's it's in the lawyer world that's called the cya letter the cover your ass letter i get it it was a little more detailed than i think they needed to do but you know
1: but that's a different story because yep. here's a guy who uh the law the lawyer is saying you know you're giving up much more than you need to right you know as opposed to you're not going to get what you're expecting i know it's, it's uh, and that's the opposite. sad yeah yep. it's the yep. sad story so yep. um and where. I'm a big fan of letting my clients kind of control their own destiny, mm-hmm. even if it means them giving up a little bit more than they need to. Mm-hmm. Why pay me when they can be paying their spouse that little extra not to have to fight about? Yeah. And and in many respects, it works out for them. It's, it's the ones that have these expectations that their friend or their cousin or their next door neighbor told them that this is what they're entitled to and go tell your lawyer that this is what you want because this is what you'll get. And that becomes the hard part for us when we say, we just can't deliver on those expectations. You should, you should go get another lawyer or get a second opinion. It occurs
0: to me it's, it's possibly a shrewd tactic in negotiation to concede something that maybe the other side thought that you wouldn't concede because it, it turns everything on its head. It's like, well, what about this? And what about the summer home? It's like, no, you can have the summer home. And you know maybe that lets all the the, the air out of the room. Or I'm I'm mangling the the metaphor there, but maybe that that is the thing that turns the the tide, the the unexpected. Um, anyway, I don't we, know. If that, well, yeah. it
1: is because we often um, in law school are not really taught about reality, how reality works in the courts, and you know, lawyers are taught or uh, maybe society dictates that, you know, you, you're negotiating. So someone starts high and someone starts low and you meet in the middle. But if you know what a judge is going to do within a range of reason, why don't you just make the offer? And in yeah. fact, why don't you make the offer a little better than what you're, what's going to happen in front of a judge? So the reality is that you're looking like you're offering more, which mm-hmm. you are, and you're giving that to your spouse, which you are, and you're paying your lawyer a little less, but that's okay too, because in the end everybody's happy. Right. Uh, and with good lawyers, when, when and I do this all the time, I've probably been doing now for about five or six, maybe even longer, seven years. Uh, when a client comes in and we have a fairly good handle on, uh, the case in the very beginning, almost right at the outset, we'll make an offer yep. in writing and here's the offer. Uh, almost, if not day one, shortly thereafter. And
0: are you saying it's not an outrageous offer? Exactly. In
1: fact, it's it's well within what we call the range of reason. And sometimes yep. it's better than what we think uh, the other side is going to get in front of a judge. Why do we do it? We use this kind of like in football terms. So if we start on our client's 20-yard line, mm-hmm. uh, and the difference between starting on the 20-yard line and the 50-yard line mm-hmm. is the 30 yards, which represents legal fees, why not give it to your spouse? Yeah. Now, maybe that's a little bit dramatic in terms of, you know, Us being Patriots fans, but we can even start on the forty-yard
0: line, (laughs) right? Right. Well, that's um. You 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 made a football reference. I, of course, being as simple-minded as I am, I started thinking about fantasy football and fantasy sports you're not you've never played those things have you russ i'm not not i'm not a big
1: fantasy football guy although you know i I would tell you that if i if i did edelman would be my guy for sure right
0: (laughs) no matter what the numbers are from (laughs) week edelman's is is as a fantasy football player he's good but kind of inconsistent but as a player player man that that guy i i and and pardon me folks for for telling a joke that is i guess to some might be sort of off color but we were watching the game the other night and i was with uh our mutual buddy Kleino. Kleino was we were watching at union street and edelman caught a ball and took three or four hits as he usually does and got right back up with that like just stern tough look on his face and i turned to Kleino and i said i can't believe that guy's jewish
1: <laughs> <laughs> as one as one tough jewish guy yeah, yeah he, is. No, he is. He's a tough guy he and uh, but, he takes the hit gets gets back up and keeps going. He's amazing. Yeah. He's he's yeah. I,
0: I, he's the closest thing to superhuman. Uh, um anyway, but what I was going to say was fantasy football is a world where there are constant trade offers being made and the classic mistake everybody makes is their first offer is so outrageous because why? Cuz well I want to get everything I can get. You know what if I'm going to give up uh, Edelman, I'm going to get Aaron Rodgers and Barry Sanders and O.J. Simpson, or whatever, and um, and inevitably, it's like what happens then is the other owner mocks you and says, "Yeah, nice try, you know, jerk." Right. But if you and then even when you come back with a counter, he's he's colored by that first right. outrageous offer. Whereas if you shoot right out of the gate with with sort of uh, think of your 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 last uh, what what's the word? There must be a word for it. Your your final I guess it's your final what your final offer would be. And do that first. I mean, I know that's not exactly what you do. Well, but, it's close. Yeah. I mean,
1: but the difference being, you know, fantasy football, nobody's going to ultimately tell you what, what the trade's going to be and how it's ultimately going to come out. Nobody is going to be in charge of your decision in our yeah. world. The, there's somebody who's going to be in charge. Right. And in the end, you know, w- there are no atheists in foxholes. Right. So, you know, you can make an outrageous offer and an outrageous demand, but in the end that judge is going to tell you what's going to ultimately happen. So unless I'm sleeping, I know what my range of reason is. And, you know, again, we can talk about football terms. If, you know, if everybody wants to start on their uh, opposite sides, you know, 20 yard line and the 50 yard line is where we want to, you know, end up. And that's where I know that would be within the range of reason. You know, why not start on our 20 or 30 yard line? As long as everybody knows that that difference really is the headaches that go along with the process, the emotional turmoil, the effect on the family, the financial burdens, the the legal fees. It's a, it, it's a huge trade off. And, and it is very effective for us because the more we do it, the, and the more people, the, the more attorneys that I deal with day in and day out, they know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And they know that in the end, if they say no, they, they re- reject the offer. I don't, I don't make the same one again. Mm-hmm. So now we go from our 20 yard line after they reject it. Now we're going to a 30 yard, 30 yard line. And soon enough, we're at our 50 yard line. And here comes Edelman.
0: Yeah. Right. So (laughs) so this is
1: kind of the 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 way it goes.
0: Yeah, and I suppose the nightmare is you go to court, you don't get the result that you wanted, but not only don't you get the result you wanted, you get a result that is worse than an offer that was on the table to you. right. Right.
1: And 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 I have in my file a piece of paper that says on day one, we made an offer. Right. And there and inevitably what happens is the spouse, my client, will say to the other one, Why didn't you take the offer? You should have taken the offer. Yeah. Because Frankly, it was better than what the judge did. You had to pay all this legal fee, you know, all Mm -hmm. these legal fees. Now, does that happen? Does it work every time? No. Is it, is it fair or unfair? I I feel it's a, it's a very fair way of, of, you know, dealing. There are some lawyers who say it's an unfair way of negotiating and I I can't figure out why, (laughs) but you know, you know, it's an unfair way to go. Well, you know, we, we put all the cards on the table and we, isn't our goal really to try to do what's best for our clients in a fair, reasonable, respectful Mm -hmm. manner, Mm And uh, why not just put your best foot forward?
0: Yeah, and that's why we have the courts as the ultimate arbiter. You being a good lawyer, educate your client. I guess one—I would imagine—one of your goals is that your client will never be surprised in court. I know it can happen, but you've already prepped your client to understand. Listen, if we go to court, you could get—you could get—you know—a million. You could get zero. You have to know this, right?
1: And, and this is the range of reason that that I yeah. keep talking about. You know. 1988 uh, is when I was sworn into practice law in the Commonwealth. And maybe since 86, I was been in the divorce world uh, working in, in other law firms. And if I don't know by now what the reason— By race... the way,
0: Divorce World is my least favorite theme park. I mean, yes. It's, it's, no, it's not, it's as, not good as, as good as this, Jurassic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Can you
0: imagine Divorce World? I wrote a column for Lawyers Weekly once where I—, I um said that it was the, the the law theme park or something and it was like a star wars themed divorce ride and it was called may divorce be with you uh sorry yeah thank you yeah thanks you were saying sorry
1: i i don't, I don't remember what i was saying okay, because i no got problem. the drum thing and then that no. kind of threw me off what was i saying
0: drums throw you off russ well good segue oh well, yes if you if you, if you um if you have your thought please yeah pipe up but, but um I'm going to step away for one sec here but on the other side I do want to make sure we uh, talk a little is it okay to talk about SNG? Yeah, yeah, that's that you probably yeah, yeah. one of the one of the best damn cover bands you'll ever see. We're going to talk about uh, uh, Russ's passion for the drums and uh, I also we we got to make sure we talk about uh dis- alternative dispute resolution cuz I know uh, you mentioned that Don't like to tease something and then not deliver, Russ, you know? Right. Let me just take a minute to tell you about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Would you like your own podcast, kids? Well, you know, the Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. If you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head, literally Now, see, Russ, that is the correct use of the word literally because it paints a picture of the earbuds being in your head. That's literally you millennials who stole literally and say, I heard someone this morning on ESPN say my head literally exploded. Really? Well, your head is still on your frickin neck. I don't think it literally happened as I was saying that
1: that literally makes sense to me.
0: (laughs) Good. Yeah. See, that's fine. You would never say that. Figur- figuratively makes sense to me. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message, build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit Pod617.com. In pod, we trust. So, um, did you want to talk about um, the mediation, arbitration, that business, and how that's the new wave and yeah, all that? Yeah, yeah. tell yeah, me. Yeah, so...
1: Um- if we backtrack, you know, fifteen or twenty years ago, I would have told you that there's no reason for this alternative dispute resolution stuff. If you have a good lawyer, or two good lawyers, uh, you know, they can figure it all out. But uh, what I have seen over the years is a trend, and the trend mm-hmm. is that uh, alternative dispute resolution is highly effective. It's working for people. It's a certain type of uh, you know client that is looking to participate in it. The alternative dispute resolution concepts like mediation or arbitration or conciliation or even this new concept called uh, private adjudication are all like hot topics now. And um, so, this means that you agree to forego
0: the, the regular, so to speak, court process.
1: Yeah, in the beginning, uh, you uh, the, the the parties uh, submit to. Uh, a mediation or a conciliation to go to a neutral person, uh, give their uh, positions and have the neutral kind of jump in. Presumably the neutral person who is helping out is experienced enough to have uh, an understanding of that, uh, that term that keeps coming up the range of reason and uh, moves cases uh, in, a, in a cost-effective, fast, uh, appropriate manner. Now, alternative dis- dispute resolution is not for everybody. Um, There are cases that just require a judge to make a decision. You can't negotiate a custody case where both parents want custody of a child. You can't negotiate that. Because it's
0: a zero-sum game? Well, to some extent, uh, people
1: are still in this day and age are stuck on labels. Who's going to have physical custody? Well, I want it. Mm. Well, no, I want it. Well, you both can't have it. And if we can get creative with terminology, but mm-hmm. if they're both stuck on the word because their next door neighbor says they need to have the word, then we're in front of a judge trying that case. But there are tons of ways that we can resolve issues through alternative dispute resolution that um, we now are seeing that even, even today with the courts being as efficient as they are, we're still seeing backups, mm-hmm. uh, cases being delayed for trials. So now, what we're starting to see is a term called private adjudication, mm-hmm. and that means that we can hire a retired judge or another attorney to, liter- to literally <laughs> <laughs> try uh, a case privately, right. yep. um, in a cost-effective way. So, with uh, the rules of evidence and everything, as it would be in a court, in whatever a court- whatever right. they agree upon. Okay, and, and yep. yes, and and more often than not, it's like that. So, for example. Um, say there is a case where, um, there are many issues mm-hmm. and all but one issue has been resolved. And let's say the issue is the value of a business and the parties are apart by a significant amount of money. Right. Uh, and they cannot agree. And they say to the trial judge, uh, we've agreed on all issues, but one, uh, judge, you The judge then says, this is the probate court judge now, and the commonwealth says, okay, well, we'll set the matter down for trial. We'll see you in three, four, five, six, nine, maybe 10 months, Mm -hmm. and you'll have your trial. Mm -hmm. But with uh, this new concept of private adjudication, we can uh, schedule hearings within a week. And we have, uh, in the group that I'm with, we have uh, retired judges who liter- who I guess literally <laughs> can don't uh, worry I'll let you yeah, know when yeah, you're it I, I I'm, I'm doing <laughs> all right. No, you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who can who can hear mm-hmm. these cases within seven days, make a decision within a week or two, and have all issues resolved quickly and, and, and efficiently, so the parties don't wait to have their trial uh, heard in a year, right? Uh, incurring even more legal fees because other issues always come up. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of
0: the the legal version of taking a private jet, you know, and and but none. But uh, who among us, few among us can't afford a private jet. But with a private jet, what do you do? You skip security. You go right up. It's your own ride. It's like you're going up to your own courthouse, your virtual real courthouse and no, no long wait. No. And and you know, the judge is there for you. In fact, you're paying the judge to be.
1: Right, right. <laughs> and but in in that scenario, it may be more expensive than than going in a, in a, in a public route. In, in my mind, uh, the private adjudication will ultimately be less expensive because right. we're now uh, 14 days away rather than a year away uh, mm-hmm. from a hearing, and a lot of things occur between the time that a uh, trial is set and the time the trial inevitably, begins.
0: you're still paying legal fees That's right. and, Yep. yeah right.
1: Yep. So it really is a cost-effective way. It it, again, it's for a certain type of case, a certain type of client, and a certain issue, but there are, you know, it's it, the the alternative dispute resolution world is is really kind of exactly opposite uh, of what we do in litigation, and uh, it it has its place. Mm-hmm. So you know, something to think about, uh, something to consider.
0: There are all kinds of different flavors of ADR, right? Like. There's the just to give one example the I don't know what you call it but it's, I call it the baseball style arbitration where each party s- ends up submitting at the end of the process their best offer and then the arbitrator high picks, low picks one sometimes called Hi, the high low, low. Yep. okay and to me that's brilliant when I first heard about it it's been around for a while I know but when I first heard about it it's like at first you think well geez that's kind of like all or nothing and it actually no because what you if you present the most reasonable offer that's the one the judge is going to go with. So it, it forces both parties to just get a hell of a lot more reasonable. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, th- that's basically the way it works, you know, um, with mediation or we'll call it alternative dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. You're uh, if, if the matter is going to resolve itself, it's going to resolve itself quickly or not at all. Right. It's that simple. And folks and folks need to be ready to come to the table, prepared to kind of give and take. If they're not ready to, to sit down and negotiate and really kind of use that good faith uh, effort, Mm-hmm. Uh, to resolve matters, it, it, the case will not settle on an alternative dispute resolution basis. So uh, that's when it's time to go see a judge and let the judge make the decision. Right, right.
0: Well, this, the sound you hear is the sound of... Uh... Oh, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that on the sticks? On this, wait, what does the drummer call them? The skins? The skis, skins, The skins, yeah. the sticks. So this is... Um, we're, we're coming up to the solo, right, Russ? Here we go. Who is this guy? Who is it? This is a cool video on the SNG Facebook page.
1: Does every drummer have to play Wipeout? (laughs) (laughs) You know... uh, when when that when our band started probably six years ago and we had no video and we had no recording abilities and right. we had no songs, then this was the song that we would had to record first. Okay. Uh, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the screen. As you're playing this in mortification. Yeah, look, um, it's old, right? Yeah, this is old. This is really old. This is probably this was our very first show. Someone took a video is that of that the it. post office pub? No, this is no. somebody's um, engagement party. I think. And we're on, it was the most beautiful uh, setting that we actually get to play on since we've been, it was on the top of a deck overlooking a pool. Uh, and, and these people were, um, I think, happy to have a band. I'm not sure about us, but, but we, uh, we had some fun and we haven't, I don't think we've played it much since then, six years ago. You've played a lot. We have, you know, we, when we started, uh, sorry, playing, you have played a lot elsewhere.
0: You said you haven't yeah. played there. Okay. okay. No, we, we haven't played
1: there yeah. Uh, since. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've played out a lot. We're a, we're kind of a fun cover band. Uh, we've done this for fun uh, over the years, thinking that we would just kind of meet once a week. Right. Guys who are uh, uh, you know, talent challenge guys, that's what we call ourselves, with, a, <laughs> with this desire to have a lot of fun. Um, just kind of meet once a week, uh, play songs that we love. One thing leads to another. Next thing we know, we're going to play a show. And, and we're going to play another show, and then we're going to start to play.
0: You've played in front of bigger crowds. Um, at the It was it was a Worcester event. You played, it was like a Worcester anniversary? Yeah, or we, some we such um,
1: a, a couple of years ago, Westboro had Westboro, their uh, 300th anniversary, uh, and they asked us, because we're a Worcester-based band, to play. Uh, ironically enough, and the story goes something like this, we were the second-place kind of uh, 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 candidate. Mm-hmm. They were looking at a guy named uh, Stephen Tyler, to uh, open. Yeah. So, so, so they, they asked Tyler, uh, to play. And the rumor was that, uh, he was willing to do it at, a, at an amount substantially higher than what the S and G band was you asking. Think? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, after, uh, they found out how much he was asking for, uh, they had, they, they put the offer into us to do it and we, we did do it. Um, uh, for substantially. And I mean, substantially. <laughs> well, like, and Steven Tyler,
0: as far as I know, doesn't have any connection to Westbrook, does he? No, or- they
1: just, I think they, they were looking for a big name. Uh, they had a big stage. A big it was a, this big 40 yep. foot stage. They needed mm-hmm. a, some sort of an attraction. Uh, they expected somewhere between 10 and, uh, you know, 25,000 people. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted to have an event. They wanted a band that was going to keep people kind of, you know, excited for two hours before the fireworks. Uh, they asked us to come down. We, we loved it. It was probably the greatest experience we've ever, greatest experience I've ever had as a musician yeah. looking out into a crowd of, you know, 15,000 people with their cell phones going back and oh, forth. That's awesome. At one point I almost stopped. I, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm feeling like a rock star. I should just yeah. kind of take this all in. And then I remembered I have to keep playing the drums <laughs> while this is all going on.
0: Was there one or one song that really got him going more than anything else? Uh, Do you, remember? No? you
1: know, no, I mean, it, it, it was just, uh, I think the the whole concept of it was great. We, you know, uh, it was our responsibility to um, to get the stage, the stage, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, in place and hire the group to do that. And um, when S&G we, Roadies. yeah. So, well, the stage itself uh, was this. Uh, I, I talk about it because it's it was exciting for us. Mm. We had never played on a forty foot stage. It was one of those mobile stages where they roll it in. Uh, and what is 40 foot, not in the air, 40, 40, 40 foot wide stage. Wide. So if you picture that like this, big, yeah. if this double wide trailer coming in yeah. and they roll it in and then, it, 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 you know, some sort of like it opens up into, you know, this huge stage that's probably 15 feet off the ground and yeah. 40 feet big. And, uh, you know, they asked they said that the town said that they would be footing the bill. And it turned out that the stage was about almost 10 times the cost of the S and G band's fee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that yeah, I can see how that would make yeah. you feel like a big shot. Like it was they, fun. they're they're wheeling that thing in and people are walking by going, Wow. Who's playing? Must be like Steven Tyler or right. something. <laughs> right. No, it's just the S and G band. <laughs> yeah. This is uh this is you guys Doing the Pharrell song, keeping up with the kids. Well, wow. And that's your buddy. What I love about your band is you're you're a, a, r- a ragtag band of misfits. No, not exactly, but well, kind but, of.
1: But, but, I mean, but a little bit of that. But
0: but yeah, it's an eclectic group. And the guy who is singing lead on that is uh, a guy I've gotten to know a little bit. Your buddy Greg, right? Yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. who's a super interesting guy. And if you've ever seen him on TV, it's probably because the Patriots have just scored a touchdown and he's firing a rifle into the air because that's one of the hats that he wears this is one of the New England Patriots minute, I, I, minute men. We, yeah, I mean, our,
1: our band is full of characters. We, yeah. have, we have doctors, we have lawyers, we have judges, we have, you know, musket guys. I mean, it's really, <laughs> we have <laughs> yeah. teachers. So, and, and our band is, is you know, we, we I mean, our the big band can be nine or, or ten of us, mm-hmm. uh, as small as four. And we just, you know, again, it's... Uh, it was more about, I suppose every band kind of starts out with, well, let's just get together and play in a garage. And then, all right, let's go play in this little tiny dinky bar. And, yep. well, maybe we can play in a restaurant. And what about a venue that will now take us to the next level? And we're yeah. finding ourselves just kind of enjoying it. I think, you know, at our age, it's a, lo- it's a lot of work. Right. You know, to the rehearsal is fun. Um, you know, getting to a show at, getting ready to a show at 12 noon for, a, you know, an, an 8 o'clock show where you're, your roadies are coming to pick up the equipment and breaking it down and and schlepping it over and then setting it up with sound checks and
0: mm-hmm. it's a
1: it's a fair amount of work as you know. I mean, in yeah. the sound world, right? You you get so much to think about. Yeah,
0: you know, I I hopped in a couple of times and right. and, and DJ right. between sets. Oh yeah, when in I fact, was I doing think, my DJ thing. Yeah, I,
1: I, yeah. I, that's right. You did. In fact, you've done it. You did it a couple of times, and I think uh, more people dance when you were the DJ than when the band was <laughs> when the band was playing. I think you had some great. Very I talented. seem to remember
0: having trouble finishing one evening because I think somebody passed me a, a few too many bourbons. But, oh, well, wait, that was just me that was ordering the bourbons. <laughs> I apologize for that, Russ. Um, okay. I heard it was still a fun night. Yeah, I kept uh, your
1: headset. <laughs> you still have it? I think so. <laughs> I was going to bring it today, but I, I really it's like it. We use it. $200 headphones. Oh, you know it what? Keep
0: it. Keep it. Oh, thanks. Keep it. it that was like four years ago, so yeah. at, this, at this point. Uh, well, it
1: depreciated I, in value, so. <laughs> You've, what's the legal term?
0: Adverse possession. At this point, I have no claim I, I, over it. I stole yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so if you want to go... Learn more about SNG. Do you guys have a? Is it sngband.com? Maybe there's definitely a Facebook page. Yeah, if you Let's type start with in SNG
1: yep. band, uh, it'll come up. We have a we have a Facebook page. Um, so you're probably we,
0: wondering what SNG stands for, and I won't make Russ the Attorney swear on my podcast, but it's shits and giggles. Do you, do you want to tell that story? Or, yeah, I oh, okay. um,
1: I we were in a band uh, kind of just before we started with SNG, I'd been playing for a couple of years. Band leader comes to me and half the guys in the band and says, uh, we're, we're going into a new direction. Um, you guys aren't serious enough about this. We're not doing this for shits and giggles. Uh, you're all fired. <laughs> Love this. So, so the rest of the band says, Oh, well, okay. Uh, that's too bad. You know, we, we kind of thought things were going pretty good. You know, what do we know? Right. right Cause right, we're not right. taking it too seriously. Right. So we start this band called, uh, S and G and, uh, we're together still five years, six years later, the other band, they're defunct. That's great. I love it. Justice is served. That's right. Justice is shits and serve. giggles.
0: Shits you were doing it for shits and giggles yeah. and you still are and you're still around. Well, that, ironically
1: enough, you know, there's a tons of, ton of different names that we refer to. My mother uh, is uh, Gloria, my father's Stanley. Mm-hmm. So it's the Stanley and Gloria band. Shits and giggles. <laughs> S and G <laughs> Oh nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a nice way. Yeah. And you guys sing Gloria. We do. Yeah, and Gloria. you in fact. Yeah. I think you may have sung it with us or something. I don't think like that.
0: that I'm usually on the Billy Joel song. You oh, usually okay. are kind enough to bring me up for you, may be right. And I should mention that this is what the heart of SNG is is all about. They they played completely on the house, the charity event that me and my buddy Pete. Yeah, you know, we had the best event ever. We had this sorry, it's my Pete imitation. Pete, I hope you're listening. You probably aren't. But uh, we raised money for I think Pete's was the American Heart Association. Mine was autism related causes. And my son who has autism was allowed through the graciousness of SNG to come up and play the cowbell on, of course, Don't Fear the Reaper. And uh, he always talks about it, He always talks about SNG.
1: It was exciting to watch him. Yeah. He was uh, he was great. I mean, you know, those are the things that we really enjoy. We have a lot of memories. Um, you know, it, nobody at our age, at our, our ability, is going to make a career out of being a musician. So you mm-hmm. really do it for the love mm-hmm. of it. And with that comes a lot of things. It's great to see people dance with your music. It's yep. great to see people smile as a result of your music. And it's great to be able to do good things. We do benefits all the time. Uh, and, you know, when, when Adrian came up to sing with us, mm-hmm. you know, we, we still talk about it. It oh, was a great day. You. Yeah, it, was a great yeah day.
0: it goes to show you that it, it's all, you know, music is about, not to get too melodramatic, but it's about dreams. It is about that moment at the anniversary event that, you know, you really felt like a real rock star. You were, you were, you know, I have two brothers that are musicians. My brother, Adam's played in many bands and super talented guys. too. Super talented, very talented, by the way, go to Adam. If you want to help crowdfund his, his upcoming album, by the way, Um, real musicians. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're looking at me. I'm the karaoke guy. Is that yeah. what? <laughs> uh,
1: I'm, ta- I'm, I'm looking at you, talking about your brother. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Differentiating yeah. me. Yeah. I'm the karaoke guy. Literally, hey, guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, all right. I think we'll, we'll we'll go out with a little SNG here. I think this is Sugar Sugar. Let's see.
1: Oh, that's an awful one. You got to do better than that. All right, hey, this it's my podcast. Well, right. I can do whatever uh, I want. Can, like, let's see. Play no, play. no. Let's let's
0: pick another one. We're looking at the. By the way, it's Facebook. Uh, uh, facebook.com backslash S-N-G band ooh yeah this is this is a good one who's who's behind those female vocals
1: that's Jody Frawley she's one of our uh, our uh, guest singers she sings with us uh, on occasion major pipes yeah Yeah. oh she can sing
0: yeah well um, that's awesome Russ I hope you had fun on the show oh I did thank you so much for having me it really was a blast being here absolutely and don't forget if you want to contact Russ well we'll start with S-N-G go to Just type in S-N-G Band into Google or go to Facebook.com backslash S-N-G Band and hire him. Hire him for your next party, gig, whatever it may be. Um, It's always a a blast. If you want to reach us and talk about, I hope you're not getting divorced, but if you are, you know someone who is. He's a great person to talk to. SchwartzPlant.com is the website. That's Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z-P-L-A n t e com. I can spell if you want to email Russ, by the way, he was gracious enough to provide that RPS at Russell Schwartz dot com. And will you come back sometime? I know it's a show. will. Right. No,
1: I will. This was fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Really was.
0: Thank you for having me. Loved it, man. Always, okay. a, always a blast. Thank you for listening to the Boston podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service. Go to USPS slash careers for more info on that. Please share this podcast if you dig it. And on behalf of Attorney Russell Schwartz, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. You must be the other guy.